Good evening, everybody. This is Talking Sports with Evan, a rare Saturday night edition of Talking Sports with Evan. It is a Saturday night edition as I was unable to get a show in during the week, but wanted to get your wanted to get a show in here as there is a number of things to discuss and talk about in the wide world of sports, especially. And uh, I'm not sure what just happened as I quickly jumped off the screen for a minute and now I'm back. Uh, Apparently some Wi-Fi connection issues. Of course, uh, when I try to do a show, I, you know, the internet decides to act up, but either the, you know, anyways, I am here, uh, you know, again, lots to discuss in the world of sports today, lots to go over. And in the show here today, Milwaukee Bucks, winners of six in a row going into tonight's game, especially since Middleton and Giannis have been back in the lineup. They missed, Middleton's missed a lot this year. Uh, Giannis missed a few games in a row, and they've been together now for six games in a row, and now they're 6-0 going into tonight as they're taking on the Miami Heat uh, early third quarter, currently leading 67-64 to after a tough uh, finish, um, I guess you could say, of a first half. But I'm going to talk some Milwaukee Bucks and talk some Giannis and the trade deadline coming up. And do the Bucks need to make a trade? Uh, Crowder, um, former, well, I was going to say former um, Suns, but he is technically still on the, the Suns lineup, hasn't played at all this year. Do the Bucks really need to make a move for Crowder? That's my question. And that's one of the things I'm going to talk about. The Super Bowl is set following championship or conference championship weekend uh last sunday the chiefs and the eagles going to the super bowl i'm going to talk a little bit about those uh conference championships games um in the show tom brady once again for now retiring and the nfl coaching circle is starting coaching jobs is starting to fill Another two filled up over the week. The Broncos hiring Sean Payton after giving up uh, three draft picks, a first this year and a third this year and a second next year for Sean Payton. And the Texans hiring D'Amico Ryans from the 49ers to be their head coach. Frank Reich uh, got hired by Carolina. And it just leaves two jobs open currently, the Colts and the Cardinals. And what job is the best out of those two? I'm going to give you my thought a little later in the show as well. And the Jets deciding on a move that didn't work for the Broncos last year. And they're trying it again this year to see if it works. I'm going to give that thought coming up. You could probably take a guess on what I am talking about when I bring up the Broncos tried last year. But yeah, anyways... Again, this is Talking Sports with Evan. I'm found at Twitter on at Evan with Sports, uh, bottom corner of the screen. You have my app. You can email the show at TalkingSportsWithEvan at gmail.com. And you can also find the show on Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan. Um, or you can find me on Facebook, Evan Wittalison, and you can interact with me as well. Well, first thing I want to discuss, NBA MVP. Who is the MVP right now? 
And why isn't Giannis getting more love? That's my question. Giannis, over the last six games, is averaging 42 points and 15 rebounds per game with a 50-piece as recently as February 2nd. And he seems to not be getting much love for the MVP. Um, it, it You have Jokic, who is still getting a lot of love and attention as the NBA MVP. Joel Embiid, who some argue should have won it last year, but he fell short as Jokic won back-to-back. You have Jason Tatum getting a lot of support for MVP. Luka Donick from the Mavericks is another one that's getting a lot of support for the MVP. And you don't hear Giannis mentioned a ton. Now, the latest NBA.com Kia uh, MVP ladder from Michael Wright. He has Giannis currently third. But I just, what Giannis has been doing this season is getting overlooked quite a bit. Chris Middleton missed a ton of games this season due to injury. Drew Holiday missed 11 games this year due to illness. Pat Connaughton missed a ton of games early on this year. Bobby Portis uh, currently out. The only the only uh, stable piece of this Bucks lineup thus far has been Giannis, who has missed uh, 11 games as well. But Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and and Grayson Allen, those have been the three guys that have pretty much been there um, throughout. And... The team is currently second in the West, a game and a half behind Boston with all the injury problems the Bucs have had. And I don't feel Giannis is getting enough love for MVP. I think he should be getting more love. And I know he didn't, uh, two years ago, after he won two in a row, he did not get any consideration for NBA MVP because of the voting fatigue. Uh, He just won two in a row, and it was time to move on to the next guy. The NBA doesn't really have uh, three-peats anymore, and Jokic could be a three-peat this year, but you might have some of the voter fatigue for him this season as well. I think it's going to come down, unfortunately, to Luka or Embiid getting the MVP, and I, cause I think the voter fatigue for Jokic is there. And for some reason, after Giannis won two in a row, they uh, they don't want to give him another shot. But I think Giannis definitely deserves uh, for the MVP at this time. That is my thought with Giannis currently. He should be the front runner for the MVP based off what he has done this season especially over the last six games, as I mentioned, averaging 42 points and 15 rebounds. It's just been incredible. And he had 20 points in the fourth quarter against the Clippers on Thursday night to lead them to victory, having another strong game tonight against the Miami Heat. Um, Bucks now currently trailing the game, but Giannis himself is having a strong game currently with 24 points, uh, eight rebounds, five assists. So triple-double watch uh, for Giannis here tonight. And, you know, Bucks are in a dogfight right now with the Heat, but I think the Bucks have shown, uh, and this is going to segue into my next conversation, 
the Bucks really need Crowder. And I get with teams like your Boston, it'll be nice to have a Crowder on the team. He's a guy that can guard multiple people on the court. I've heard the P.J. Tucker comparison that bringing uh, Crowder in is going to be like bringing uh, bringing P.J. Tucker in during the championship season. And with Tucker, um, with I mean, with Crowder, you're going to have it, like I said, a guy who can guard multiple guys on the floor, multiple wings. Uh, and that's who the Bucks struggled with in the playoffs last year was defending the wings of the Boston Celtics. Tatum and Brown just completely annihilated Milwaukee. And Crowder definitely would help in that area. But I think a healthy Bucks team, whenever Bobby comes back, with Ingles, with Middleton, with Holiday, with Wes, with Brooke, obviously Giannis, I think that's a lineup that can defeat Boston. Crowder would be a nice luxury to have, and if you can get him for not giving up a ton, so be it. But my biggest concern with uh, Crowder, he has not played at all this year. He has not played a second or millisecond of basketball whatsoever this season. So what really are you getting bringing Crowder in? I know if you were to bring him in, the one and only reason he's coming in is the same reason you brought in Tucker, and that's for the playoffs when you're going up against a team like the Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn Nets or the Boston Celtics, uh, Brooklyn Nets of a couple years ago when the Bucks played them in the playoffs. <clears throat> but I don't know if Crowder, you know, is a guy you truly need if the Bucks are healthy. I think if the Bucks were healthy last year, I think they get by Boston. And I think they go to the NBA Finals for the second year in a row. But that's just, you know, unfortunately, Middleton got hurt in the uh, playoff series against Chicago, and they definitely missed him tremendously in that game. But I'm not saying I'm against trading for Crowder. I'm just saying I don't know if they truly, definitely need Crowder. I don't know if he's the guy that's going to put you in the NBA Finals. I guess that's what I'm saying with Crowder. I don't know if Crowder puts you in the NBA Finals. You'd be a nice piece to have on this team. But how would he then affect the chemistry of this team, too? This is a team that you can see enjoy playing against one another night in and night out. Uh, they they all seem to be super, you know, good friends both on and off the court. They enjoy playing basketball together. You look at a team like Brooklyn, who now Kyrie Irving wants out. Durant's currently out with a knee issue. Simmons is dealing with a knee issue as well. The Nets chemistry has been an issue pretty much the last now three years strong going on for the Brooklyn Nets. Chemistry in the past has been an issue for the Philadelphia 76ers. Chemistry cannot be overlooked. And the Bucks enjoy playing with one another. Boston enjoys playing with one another. So bringing Crowder on, who hasn't played a a minute of basketball this season because he's unhappy with his his minutes that he was supposed to get in Phoenix this year. Is that really going to be a great thing to do going into a playoff push and as the Bucks are getting close to? So I don't feel the Bucks need Crowder. I'm not going to 
be upset if they trade for him, but I don't really feel the Bucks need him, and I think they'd be fine without him. Ingles is here. Uh, Middleton's healthy. And when they brought Middleton back to start with, he was not healthy yet. You could tell he was still not fully 100%. His legs, excuse me, were not there. But Middleton in 12 minutes tonight has 16 points and five rebounds. Um, Middleton's looking uh, looking like he's he's fully healthy. And this is he's playing in limited minutes right now. I think 20 and night coming off the bench is his kind of threshold right now when he gets fully backed. And I think the Bucks rushed him back, to be honest. that That's my opinion. I think they rushed him back too quickly earlier this year. They didn't give him a chance to really ramp up, and they didn't really do what they're doing now, which is taking him off the bench to get him back into uh, playing shape. Instead, they kind of just threw him out there and ex- was expecting – um, Chris Middleton to be the Chris Middleton that we we know from the championship season. And I think what they're doing now, minute restrictions, uh, easing him back in, taking him, out, taking him off the bench, I think that's the best way to go. And Budenholzer is doing a great job managing Middleton's minutes right now. And once this team is fully healthy – this team, I think, can pretty much beat anybody in the East, including Boston. You got to remember, they didn't have Ingles the last time they played Boston. They didn't have Middleton. They were missing those. There's the two big pieces they were missing. And with the Bucks are full strength. We'll see what they can do. So that's it for the Milwaukee Bucks conversation here tonight. Going to reluctantly move on to Aaron Rodgers. He was on Pat McAfee once again this week and was talking of, uh, on McAfee, and he was talking about leadership styles, and that made a lot of people go, hmm, this week when he's talking about leadership and the two types of leaders, he brought up that there are two types of leaders, those that want to be liked and don't care if they're respected, and those that want to be respected and don't care if they're liked. And I know he was talking about um, the special teams court coordinator, Rich Biscaccia, uh, interviewing in Indian, Indianapolis for their head coaching job. And he, maybe he was talking about him. Maybe he was talking about his own leadership style or the thought that crossed a lot of people's minds is maybe just maybe he was talking about Matt LaFleur, who seems to want to be everybody's buddy. And maybe that's kind of what Rogers was hinting at as well with his comments. But my thing is, we don't know what he was specifying. We don't really know what he was meaning. Um, There wasn't any follow-up by by McAfee or Hawk to say, hey, who you, uh, are you talking about your current locker room right now with your head coach? No follow-up at all. And I don't know if Rogers would have answered it anyways. But there's really no follow-up to, really break down what he was meaning when he was talking about the leadership. But I think we got to stop maximizing everything he says too. We're giving him exactly what he wants when we maximize everything he says, because it's playing into his narrative of, um, it's kind of playing into his narrative that everybody's looking for information and, overblowing things that are said and information that is out there. 
I think it's kind of playing into that narrative for him. We need, we need to stop maximizing it. I know it's easier said than done. Rodgers will eventually make a decision, either be in Green Bay or likely in Las Vegas or New York. I don't think he's retiring. Those are the three locations he's going to be at. I think he'll be in Green Bay, but otherwise it's going to be Las Vegas. If he, which I don't know if he really would want to go to Vegas to play with Josh McDaniels, or he would go to the Jets and potentially play with his former, excuse me, offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who second year in a row Nathaniel Hackett gets hired by an NFL team. Basically because I think the team feels that if they have Hackett on their roster, that they're mis- they're magically going to get Aaron Rodgers. It did not work in Denver. They ended up trading for Russell Wilson, who was a complete disaster in year one in Denver. And Nathaniel Hackett doesn't even make it the full year in his first head coaching opportunity. Now, the Jets, whose owner is all in, potentially um, trying to make a move for Rodgers. Robert Sala hires Nathaniel Hackett to be their offensive coordinator. So as I kind of hinted and teased at the start of the show, the Jets are giving their try to try to lure or be a potential landing spot for Aaron Rodgers. And Nathaniel Hackett is not, to me, he is not much of an upgrade as a play caller over Mike LaFleur. Nathaniel Hackett has had opportunities to be play callers before in Buffalo, in Jacksonville, as the head coach in Denver, and he wasn't very good at it. The offenses of those three teams were not very good at all. In Green Bay, he was the offensive coordinator in title only, and his big thing was his helping develop the game plans and making the adjustments that are needed in the in, in game. That's what he did well in in Green Bay. But he's not some great play caller, but he could potentially get you Aaron Rodgers. So Nathaniel Hackett, another job because his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. So kind of going to say, was going to say that for the end of the show, but I figured uh, tying that in with Rodgers made a lot of sense. AFC, NFC title games. The, The... The NFC title game went exactly how I figured it would. The Eagles were just too good up front to... They were just too good up front. And I know San Francisco had their quarterback issues. Purdy uh, gets his uh, UCL um, ligament torn on a a sack fumble. Um, Your number two quarterback in the game gets a concussion. Purdy has to come back in, who can't throw the ball at all because of his elbow injury. And it kind of makes me wonder, is it? So the NFL used to have a rule. I think 2011 is when they, they, they changed that rule. They used to have the rule that you could dress three quarterbacks and the third quarterback wouldn't count on the game day roster. However, if he needed to enter the game, the starting quarterback is now unable to return to the game. That used to be the rule they had. But I believe it was 2011 when they expanded the game day roster from, I think it was 43 to 46. Maybe it's 48 now. 
they took that rule away. A third quarterback would count towards your game day roster. And I've been an advocate for a while, but I think the M- the NFL needs to expand their rosters from 53, maybe to 63. I've been an advocate for a while that the NFL needs to expand their game day roster to probably 53 and expand the, the regular season roster, as I mentioned, to maybe 63. I've been an advocate for that for a while. You now added an extra game. It's now 17 games plus playoffs. Football, very physical sport. Lots of injuries. And I, I think you need to have more people on an active game day roster than you currently do. Because then you see what we saw with San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. That is what you see because you can only have, I think it's like 40, what, 46 uh, 48 people on your game day roster. This is what you see. You have both your quarterbacks get hurt, and now you're stuck with your injured quarterback coming back into play or your running back having to put the communication helmet on and having to play quarterback in Christian McCaffrey. He was he played some snaps at quarterback, and he was going to be the emergency quarterback before Purdy gave it a go. And that completely handcuffed the 49ers offensively because the Eagles know they can't throw so they can just focus on stopping the run and boom. And I think the Eagles game plan was going to be force the 49ers to throw anyways, but the game, as I said, the game won exact other than the quarterback injuries, the game won exactly how I felt it was going to go. And I figured the Eagles were going to win on the other side, the AFC, championship game is it time to be a little concerned with officiating in the NFL because too often in this playoffs and I'm not here criticizing the officials and I'm going to sit here and say it's probably more of the complex rule book that the NFL officials have to follow and I can kind of understand a little bit why it's so difficult to figure things out what is what and whatnot but it's just tough to watch an NFL game these days as the game seems to be boggled down with unnecessary penalty flags roughing the passer is a key one I think they got an intentional grounding penalty wrong in the uh, AFC championship game um, I don't think it was an, I honestly don't think it was intentional grounding and they called that. I thought there's receiver in the area. I don't know. Is it time to really think about that? And I'm not saying Cincinnati lost the game because of the official Cincinnati lost the game because two years in a row against the chiefs, they had a bad game plan. They allowed knowing they have a hurt banged up offensive line. They allowed Burrow to be a sitting duck rather than move him around in the pocket, move the pocket, flow it to the right, flow it to the left, have a moving pocket, work on getting the ball out quickly. Nope, we want to push the ball downfield too much. Same thing happened to uh, the year prior when they beat the Chiefs in the championship game, but they won that game in spite of their game plan. And Pat Mahomes is, bo- is slowed down and bothered 
by a high ankle sprain, which typically takes four to six weeks to come back from, and he's playing on it. You can tell it was bothering him. Why are we not trying to force him out to his left a little bit? Why are we allowing him to, you know, just kind of sit back there in the pocket and give him all day to throw? Do twists, do stunts, force him to his left, force him to have to run around a little bit. That ankle will not have made it through the game if you're forcing him to run around a little bit. And you're probably going to get some pressure and some sacks and whatnot on him as he wasn't that mobile. I don't understand the Bengals game plan a little bit, to be honest. So Super Bowl, I'm going to preview this week, Kansas City and Philadelphia. Give me your early predictions on who you think is going to win. Is it going to be the Chiefs? Is it going to be the Eagles? You can tweet at me at Evan with sports, or you can email me at talking sports with Evan at gmail.com. Tom Brady's retired again. Buccaneers are in salary cap mess because of that. I Well, the only way they were going to be in a mess is if Tom Brady returned. At least with the retirement, they could push his cap hit into two years. But that definitely hurts Tampa Bay. But, you know, good for Tom Brady. He's leaving now on his terms. We unfortunately saw the talking heads of the NFL and Adam Scheffler break the story last year before he decided he wanted to come back another year. But this year, Tom Brady decided he wanted to jump, get out in front of it, and give his hit what he was going to do before Scheffler or Ian Rappaport or any of the NFL breaking news people like you know Jay Glazer could break it. He wanted to break the story. He wanted to get it in front of it. But good for Tom Brady. He was a great quarterback in the NFL. Um, very unlike, very unlike, uh, he was, it was very unlikely when coming out of college that he was going to have this type of career, but it, it goes to show you that the right situation at the right time can make or break you. Cause if he gets drafted by anybody other than the Patriots, I, I'm going to say there's a 0% chance that we, we see the Tom Brady and the seven Super Bowls that we saw. Going to New England with Bill Belichick, with a uh, Drew Bledsoe, who is kind of getting up there a little bit in age and then had the very scary injury on the sidelines a week two against the Jets, opened the door for Tom Brady and the rest, as they say, is history. And tip your hat to him. You know, year one and year two of Tom Brady was a lot of, uh, we're going to, I should say the first few years of Tom Brady, it was we're going to win games by running the ball with um, Corey Dillon and company, uh, short passing game, have a stout defense. We're going to shorten the game and uglify the game to win games. And then Tom Brady kept putting that work in and he became the league MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Tom Brady take over the game that we saw. That's the... NFL all-time leader in passing yards and touchdowns. And to be able to do it for as long as Tom Brady did, good for him. I'm not the biggest Tom Brady guy. He just kind of rubs me the wrong way. But good for him being able to have the career that he was able to have in in, uh, in New England and then in Tampa Bay winning seven Super Bowls and playing until the age of 45. As I said, good for Tom Brady. And best of luck to him in retirement. One of the things that sucks a ton with him retiring 
is one of the better broadcasters out there on the national uh, TV uh, for Fox. Uh, is likely going to be booted out of the of the box because Tom Brady signed a big deal with Fox. So he'll be taking over the number two uh, chair on the A team for that Fox team that we see Saturday, who, uh, you know, Greg Olson has done a great job, who we've seen every Sunday. I'm sorry, but Greg Olson's getting uh, booted out to probably the number two or probably the number two team and the number two guy is going to be the number three guy and so forth. But Greg Olson, he's done a great job. He deserves to have the number one spot. Um, the number, the analyst on the number one team for Fox, but Fox didn't pay Tom Brady all that money to have him uh, sit in the studio or uh, be, you know, be on a different, uh, a different, broadcasting team on Fox. So they, they brought him in to be basically Troy Aikman's replacement, but we uh, we had to wait a year because he decided to come back and play. And coaching changes. So we have three, three jobs filled, two more jobs to go, and my favorite hire right now is D'Amico Ryan. I, I think he's going to be just an outstanding head football coach in this league. He seems like he's a great leader, great motivator, had some great defenses in San Francisco the past couple years. I think he's going to be an outstanding head coach. He definitely has the pedigree to me to be a very good head coach. And to me, Houston finally has a slam dunk hire to take over as head coach. Frank Reich to the Panthers. The Panthers went with the safe choice. I know they could have... Uh, gave the job to the interim head coach and in, in Wilkie, um, but they decided to go with Frank Reich as they need to develop a quarterback, and they feel that's the job he can do. He kind of got a raw deal in Indy. Is uh, you had Andrew Luck retire out of the blue; nobody anticipated it. Then you had Jacoby Brissett for a year. Then you had to play musical quarterbacks with Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan, and eventually you, you lose your job. I think it was a good hire for Carolina and the Broncos. The Broncos hiring Sean Payton. And Sean Payton's a very good head football coach. Uh, His win-loss record uh, is very good. Him and McCarthy, honestly, are on the same, same category there. They're both winners. Payton's a big name. But to me, Denver went for the big, sexy name rather than going after the right fit. And maybe Sean Payton, when the paint dries, is going to be the right fit. But I think the ownership group who has Walmart money was more focused on getting the big-name guy than they were making sure they got the right fit. Hardball was one they were pushing for really hard from Michigan. That fell through. DeMarco Ryans, that fell through. Um, uh, Quinn... He said he's going back to Dallas. They go back to hardball, try to convince him to come again. That falls through again. Ryan falls through again. Um, They go back to Sean Payton, and Sean Payton it is. And Denver's going to have a tough time fielding a very strong competitive team with Sean Payton for the fact that you gave up a ton of draft picks to acquire Russell Wilson. You get a first-round pick back by trading uh, Bradley Chubb, and now you uh, give up that first-round draft pick 
as well as a third-round draft pick this year, as well as a second-round draft pick next year for Sean Payton. Good luck trying to build a team there, I I guess is all I got to say. Maybe Sean Payton can get Russell Wilson back to the Russell Wilson of old, but I don't know if that is going to happen. We shall see. But with that said, I want to thank you guys for watching, for listening, for being a supporter of Talking Sports with Evan. Wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the the viewers and the the listeners. I'll get back at you during the week, give you my Super Bowl preview, uh, give you my projections on who's going to win the game, and give you uh, the latest update on Aaron Watch. If anything changes between now and the next show, I will talk about it and talk some more Milwaukee Bucks as LeBron James is potentially going to break the NBA scoring record against the Bucks on Thursday, the way it's stacking up right now. I think he's 39 points away. Let me just pull my phone out and double check. Where is my... Okay, so he's 36 points away from passing Kareem. He could do it before the Bucks as he can score 36 pretty easily, but I think it's going to happen on Thursday against the Bucks. So that's likely going to happen. And the trade deadline is fast approaching. Do the Bucks make any moves before that? Until then, I'll talk to you next week. Hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. I will talk to you later.